This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back after Sunderland's 3-2 defeat in the FA Cup against Fulham. And we're also going to talk a little bit about this weekend's game against Redden. Joining us is Chris. Hiya, mate. Good evening, Gavin. How are you? I am all right, actually. Um, if you'd asked us sort of, I don't know, 55, 60 minutes into yesterday's game, if I was all right, I was a little bit frustrated. But I think it, it's safe to say, isn't it, that we, we sit here now, having lost the game, uh, pretty content with how we actually fared in the end. I mean, obviously there's loads to pick at. You caveat most of that with the fact we were playing against a Premier League team with Premier League players like, you know, Alexander Mitrovic and Andres Pereira coming off the bench. I mean, if we had those riches, I'm, I'm sure we would have won the game. But yeah, we lost 3-2. I only just got a chance before we recorded to bring the stats up and I didn't realise that we we shaded everything. We had more shots, more shots on target, more possession, more passes, better pass accuracy. We actually, probably over the statistical side of things, we did our fair share. We were the better team, so could probably count ourselves a little bit unlucky in some ways to have maybe lost, but I think Fulham's quality in the end, Sean, they, they are a Premier League team. They've got very good Premier League players. And that was ultimately the difference, I think. You know, our our defending wasn't great for their goals and they go through to the next round. But we did all right, didn't we, I think? Yeah, I think we held our own. But I think uh, the stats... Uh, and it's funny because just before we came on, I did exactly the same to you. And I, I was I was kind of thinking, I was double-checking I had the right game and all sorts. Because actually, <laughs> you, you wouldn't have thought that we'd, we had more possession, more shots and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think they're slightly misleading in the way that the game went because... Um, Mm. I mean, I think we all have to hold our hands up and say, look, we gave a good account of ourselves, but Fulham were the better side, like like you summed it up. Yeah. They've got they've got class throughout that team and, and Kenny in midfield kind of ran the show and, and I think he's mint, stat. by the way. If there's he one was. if there's one player who I'd love to play for us who isn't under the age of twenty three, it's him. He's just <laughs> he's lush to watch. Like even the first game I could, it's he doesn't get a game for them though, does he? I don't think. I think he's a I think he's like a backup player, so there was this. There was a stat. The commentator gave a stat last night saying he's he's be, he's come off the bench like twenty times this season or twenty one times this season or something. The like players that. ahead of him must be quality then because he he was awesome. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, if you look at that sort of, I mean, I, I'm surprised someone didn't try and snap him up in January or something like that to to take. He's been him there a while, and I think he's I think he's yeah. I think he's had about seven or eight years there, so he's a bit of a fixture and fitness, doesn't he? I think the last time they were in the Premier League, it was similar. He's, he seems to always be a regular in the team when they're in the championship and then when they make the step up, he 
he's there or thereabouts. He's not really part of the starting plans. But I mean, yeah, I mean, against us, we're a championship team. He was brilliant. Yeah, he was. And, and actually, I mean, going off the game, like I said, stats were slightly misleading. I thought, you know, we all hold our hands up and say, you know, if you go across the the whole of the game, Fulham were the better side. They were more slick. They were better. They were. I think we were better in patches. I think when we turned it on. We were fantastic and we looked brilliant, but I think across the game, Fulham were just solid and passed yeah. it about. Especially first half, they kept the ball really well, and I think it was a good test for us. I think the two games have been really good, and considering you know, and, and we bang, we'll probably mention about five, ten times how many, how young our squad is now, young our team is. But I think those two games are a fantastic learning curve for them. We did a pod before the first game at Craven Cottage. And I was saying then how I thought that game would go and I thought that we'd give a good account of ourselves, but Fulham would just be too strong and it'd be a fairly routine win. And I imagined the game that we saw last night at Craven Cottage. So yeah. it actually shows it shows how good we were at Craven Cottage, you know, considering how good Fulham were last night and they won. Yeah, and, and I think physically as well, they were really good. Fulham, I think oh. that was the, certainly in the first sort of 55, 60 minutes of the game, we just couldn't compete physically. Kenny was one of them. Kenny... Battered Dan Neal, I felt, for, for a big portion of that game physically. Uh, but it wasn't just him. I think it was Vinicius up front. He he had a good game. He held it up well. And it was one of those where you just, we, we just physically weren't in their league at times. But, I mean, you, you mentioned it before, the way we turned it on later in the game. When we turned it on and when we had the ball and we moved it around and we, we did what we are good at, they couldn't live with us. And this is a really good Premier League team. They couldn't live with us. There was, there was a couple of moments where it was sort of the link up between... Robert, who I actually think had a pretty poor game overall, but he got better as the game grew until he went off. Uh, but some of the link-up between Robert and Ahmad, they couldn't live with them down that right-hand side. You know, when you went over the other side of the pitch, you then had Jack Clark, who once he realised he could get into the game by not doing a million step-overs and drag-backs and sort of hanging on the ball too long, he was really effective and he scored an outstanding goal. And then it started to roll from there and the football was brilliant. We played some really, really good stuff in that second half, which was, you know, of Premier League standard, I would say. And we showed that collectively as a team, even without a striker on the pitch, we are a huge threat at the other end of the pitch and brought on Jewison Bennett. And and <laughs> that was a different type of goal, wasn't it? Because it was a long ball. Danny Bart was actually up the pitch. He won the header to knock it down. Their defenders got all his feet wrong and slips a little bit and... Dewey, to his credit, sticks in the top corner. So we actually saw a different side to us there. And I guess actually, you know, sort of a more rounded point, even at Millwall, the the, the Circan header was a route one sort of, you know, very effective set-piece goal. We aren't just doing the nice stuff. I know Tony Mowbray has said he would like to see us just put our foot through it a bit more. And we've said, you've talked about this a lot recently as well, where you just, sometimes you think we're guilty of overplaying it and we just need to, you know, just stick our foot through it and, try and get a shot away and that is definitely a feature of our play and I felt like there was a little bit of that in this game against Fulham and where I felt like you know especially in that period when we were totally on top we could have probably got another couple of goals we just done a little bit too much with the ball but generally speaking I thought our play was good and like I say that's against a a bunch of Premier League players and there was there was moments there where they couldn't live with us yeah let, let's get Danny Bart up front for, for uh, the <laughs> Just someone to win the headers, yeah, yeah. Just, just launch it up to him. I mean, that Roberts and, and Ahmad and, and the Clark, and Clark. I mean, considering what a what a time they gave them at, at Craven Cottage, you could see straight off that silver 
had put a plan together for them. Every time Roberts and Ahmad got the ball, they were on them. And for the, well, I'd probably say for the most of the first half, let's say for just over, well, let's say 35 minutes, the first 35 minutes, they just couldn't get a kick. Every time they got the ball, they were just closing them, doubling up. Clark on the other side as well. Clark, he had a couple of breaks early on, but never really made much of them. But especially on well, um, right-hand side, they were just, Roberts and Ahmad just had no time. Roberts was getting really frustrated because the ref was given nothing to them every time they got kicked. There was a lot of free kicks that should have been given against uh, Roberts and Ahmad because basically they set out their stall at the beginning of that game to rough up Roberts and Ahmad and just say, they've got no time mm. on the ball. If they get past you, give them a kick. They're not getting past you. And the referee was giving us nothing every time Roberts was getting kicked off the pitch and all that sort of stuff. So they, they had a plan for those two. And I mean, in terms of the, the physicality of the game, you could see that it was actually part of Fulham's game plan to kind of rough us up, not just Roberts and Ahmad, but like you say, Neil and Mishu. I think they were taken aback a little bit at the beginning of the game, just how much Fulham stepped on them and just yeah, went yeah. Them, just smashed them. I think it taught us a bit of a lesson that Neil and Mishu were great footballers. And in the championship, they've, well, certainly recently, over recent games, they've started to mix it up and they're getting better as the season goes on. But I think Fulham just showed what level we're at in terms of that bite in midfield. Um, yeah. And I know we, we've got options to bring in. I know Equa could could come in to give us that bit more bite into the middle in games that we need it. But it, ju- it just shows, you know, how much Neil and Mishu have got to learn. I mean, but the thing is, you've, again, you've got to remember, Neil's only 21, playing first time at this level. Mishu's 19, playing his first, kind of probably his first full season where he's got a lot of games at, at a level like this where he's getting kicked every two minutes so mm-hmm. it's i said earlier on fantastic learning curve and um it's only going to help us for for what's left of this season yeah and i, I actually think that's the reason he picked the team he did i think he's looked at it as a really good opportunity for the young players to get uh some good experience against a, a premier league team he could it would have been very easy to pick pritchard and put him in the team and also maybe start luke o'nayan because they're the two, probably the two most experienced players there. They both were on the bench. Instead, he went with Barr. He went with Michu. He gave he gave the young players the minutes because ultimately he's probably looked at it and thought, we're not really going to be fancied in this game. Of course, we want to win it, but how can we maximise this opportunity? How can we how can we take advantage of the fact we're playing a good Premier League team and give players who need that experience against top players the, the best chance to. I guess, come away from this and have something to reflect upon. You know, you, you don't really learn for anything from starting Alex Pritchard or Luke O'Neill in this particular game. It's a very unique situation, isn't it, where you sort of look at it and you think, actually, we would probably benefit from giving Michu, Barr, Ahmad, well, he would always start, but, you know, those types of players, the opportunity against a Prem team. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right, because actually at half-time, I did wonder whether he'd bring O'Neill on for a bit of bite. But he kind of he left it a little bit longer just to give Neil and Mishu a bit more time to try and get into the game, and and yeah, mm. you're absolutely right. The, the other thing I was thinking was in, during the game is I don't think Tony Mowbray gave Neil and Mishu that much of a chance actually because the way we set up almost it, it looked when we were out of possession it looked like a four four two with with kind of how far forward Ahmad was and Bar was Bar, almost Bar, playing Bar, as a, yeah it was right up yeah. there wasn't he. Yeah. But Bar was playing as an out and out strike, and I thought the almost the better thing to do would have been to drop Bar in when we're out of possession as that third central midfielder and keep Ahmad as that 
point person up front and get it into his feet and try and kind of play from there. But Barr was right up. To, he was almost basically in the Ross Stewart position. He was that far forward, mm-hmm. which meant because Diallo Ahmad was pulling across to the right-hand side to play with uh, Patrick Roberts, Barr was isolated up front. And that meant Neil and Mishu had absolutely zero protection. And, and yeah. that, it was just them two against their three midfielders. And at times, especially in that first half, they just couldn't cope with it. Yeah, and I, I thought about this a little bit and I was wondering what was the thinking behind maybe playing Barr that far, far forward. And I think what it probably was is he's one of the players who can carry the ball at pace quickly. It, what He wasn't mm. up there because he's going to score your goals. It's because we were expecting Fulham to come and dominate the ball and we needed people who, when we do get the ball, get forward very quick. I presume that's why Barr did that. And to be honest, that... If that's the thinking behind it, I get it. I know this is a gonna this is gonna be a feature of pretty much every discussion about Sunland as the season kicks on. But you know we don't or, or have a, a plethora of striking options, and we are actually approaching this from a different angle. As in, how can we still carry a goal threat? How can we still be a threatened games without a traditional centre forward on the pitch at all times? And I actually think we've through a lot of trial and error I guess because we've played a lot of football without strikers this season we know how to play that way you saw it in this game I know the, in the first half we looked like a team who needed a striker on the pitch we we had no we had nobody up there but second half as the game sort of changed the flow of it changed we then saw the other side of it which is when Roberts, Ahmad and Clark in particular are in full flow it's almost like having three forwards on the pitch and they they all carry a threat. It's just a case of can they get the goals, and that's the challenge now going forward. Is can Patrick Roberts start adding goals and assists to his game? Because for as good as he is, for the lovely play and the skill and the link up with Ahmad, he needs to be scoring more. He needs to be assisting more. That's the challenge to those players. But at least you know you look at Jack Clark. There's another goal for him. Ahmad was threatening. He did have chances, didn't he? You know that he had one cleared off the line and stuff. So I'm not worried about the goal threat if I'm honest. Yeah, and you're right that we did learn a lot in like the first half of the season when Stewart and Sims was injured and we didn't have that we didn't have that focal point and he was trying different things. But I thought last night against Fulham that wasn't the way to go. I thought it left no. it left too many players isolated with with Bar pushed right up front and Ahmad like you said it turned into a four four two which you're playing against a team who've got three centre midfielders, you know, that it, it just doesn't work. You just get you just get overloaded. But mm. And, and earlier in the season, at times it worked so well because actually the way Pritchard was playing, Pritchard ended up being that link person who was able to kind of pick up the ball in the pockets and then bring Clark in, bring Roberts in, you know, when he came on f- uh, from the bench. Um, it completely changed. And the way we played completely changed. And people knew it was almost like we clicked back in with that muscle memory that when Pritchard came on, that we remembered how to play without a striker. And, mm-hmm. and the game completely changed after the substitution. Yeah, a few other things I want to touch on. Uh, the goals. Now, <laughs> I talked about it at the start. <laughs> I, I think although you know Fulham's quality did shine through in the end, we didn't exactly cover ourselves in glory with the defending. I, I don't think you know. I mean, <sighs> we could go through each goal one by one. I'm not going to, but you know, <laughs> um, it wasn't great, was it? I mean, you would like you would like to think that as as a learning experience, there's a, there's a bit of take from it, right? I mean. The first one set the tone, didn't it? <laughs> for the way yeah. for the way the, that we conceded the other three, it wasn't it wasn't great. No, no, it wasn't. But I mean, the the ball in should have been dealt with, and I think we had a couple of chances to clear it. I think 
I think Patrick Roberts actually headed it back into his own that was it, yeah. area. Yeah. And it was just kind of, it almost felt like panic stations as soon as the ball was in high in our box. It was just everyone panicked. Uh, Roberts, that you don't want Patrick Roberts in that position for a start, but if if he's desperate to be in that position, you don't want to head, head of the ball the wrong way. And then the finish, he's been brilliant lately. You know, he's going off goodwill in the bank. But uh, but yeah, it, uh, Patterson will be the first to hold his hands up and say he was disappointed with that one because you could see Mark Schwartz's face um, at half-time when they're asking another keeper about it where he, he didn't want to say that. He'd expect him to save it, but he kind of just said, yeah, Patterson, he'll, he'll be disappointed with that one. His starting position was the, was the issue in the end because they showed a really good replay from behind the goal where there's he can't actually see through the, the crowd of players in front of him and his feet are all wrong and then by the time he sees the ball it's too late and he's you know he's sort of palmed it in. If if but if, it, if, but he's, it, if he's, he got there though. I think he yeah. got there. And yeah. I, th- I think he kind of did the hard part in a in a sense. And I know what you mean. You you're exactly right. He was slightly opposition, but when you get there, he didn't quite make the save. He didn't get he mm-hmm. wasn't kind of strong enough when he got there. Yeah, so th- that was poor. And um the second one, again poor, wasn't it? I'm trying to rack. Sorry, no, I'm trying to <laughs> rack my brain. I'm trying to rack my brain. What the can goal I, was? Can we leave this in, right? Because the reason I threw that to you is because I totally forgot about the second goal. So I thought, Ah, Chris will know. <laughs> Who scored it? Second goal. Let's have a look. Uh, Pereira, Andreas Pereira. See, this is oh, how much was... this is how much prep we do on this pod, people. This is what happens when you try to record on the fly. But yeah, Pereira scored uh, 59 minutes, which made it two 0 Come on, Chris, rack your brains. You've totally forgot, haven't goal? you? Alright, what was that goal? <laughs> I'm enjoying this. Sean, please leave us in, please. <laughs> what what was that goal? Can you remember it? Nah, that's that's literally why I asked you. So <laughs> It must have been a cracker. Come on, I've do you know what it is though? Before we recorded, I, I looked this up. So I've, I've I've even been watching the goals, but there we go. Um Pereira scored the second goal. It mustn't have been that good. I can just remember the defending being shit. Mitrovic and uh <laughs> Oh, it was, uh, it was the one where Mitrovic kept it in and then he fell over, wasn't it? That's the that, one. That, right, there we that's go. That's the one. It's, it's, it's far too late in the day for me and you, this ridiculous. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I remember the goal. So, they um, they broke, didn't it? And Mitrovic sprinted unchallenged half the length of the pitch. I think it was Dan Neal who was probably meant to be tracking him. Realised a couple of seconds too late that he'd forgot yeah. to track his man. And Mitrovic is involved in the goal and they score from it. Yeah, but again, poor from us. It was a great pass into Mitrovic's feet, though, right into his path where he was making that run. It was, it was just we were kind of flat-footed, you know. Mit, the ball was about to go out, and Mit, Mitrovic was the only one on his toes and kept it in. And then when mm-hmm. when the ball came in, again, kind of flat-footed, Patterson beating at his near post. It was only kind of a few yards out, so you probably can't put any blame there. But yeah, flat-footed when the ball came in, the defenders were just caught on the hop when. They weren't ready for Mitrovic keeping it in, and they weren't anticipating that happening. Um, mm. It was an easy finish in the end, but it it was one of them where it was. We'll get into it, but for us to get back into it after that, because it did feel like game over at that point. And I think even the yeah, I'm sure the comment commentator said at that point it was like, oh well, that's it. Uh, it felt that way because we we even made changes like which seemed to me like we were pretty much over the fact we'd lost the game and we were just going to get some players off and bring some young lads on and give them a bit of no experience and get get some of the more experienced players off but yeah we got the goal back through Clark and um it was a it was a really good goal what what annoyed me and all the highlights that I've seen back again today 
the miss the pass from Pritchard, which was the best part of the move for me. I mean, the finish was excellent, yeah. and the and the pick out from Elise was brilliant. But Pritchard plays this lovely little reverse pass, which plays in Elise in behind. Elise has a lot of room, to be fair, down that left hand side, but. The easy option would have been to swing it sort of across the six-yard box, and he didn't. He he held on an extra second and played it back, and it found Clark, and it totally caught Fulham off guard, and they just didn't really know what to do. And it let him have a a, a second, which he needed to set himself, and he, his finish was brilliant. I mean, the, you could have three keepers on the line that wouldn't have saved it. He bends that into the top corner. Lovely, lovely goal. And yeah. that's what you want to see from Jack Clark. Like, in the absence of Ross Stewart... In the absence of even Gelhart in games like this, or you know any other situation where we have to change the way we play, he is a threat when he does stuff like that. I've seen Jack Clark in those positions pick up the ball and, and run right across the face of the box and not do anything with it. There, he just he got that extra second that Fulham allowed him, and he got it out of his feet and he finished. And that's what he needs to be doing more of. But yeah, brilliant goal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And and Pritchard coming on, I mean, we said kind of a change the game earlier on. And one of the ways it changed the game was when Pritchard gets the ball, you see people running ahead of him because they're yeah. expecting a pass. And that, that was the difference. And if, we, if we're going to go forward, and obviously we've got Gellard to come back in, in in league games, but let's say, you know, Gellard, you know, suspensions or little nicks or whatever, you know, if he's out for a game or two, you know, if we do have to go back to this, that's when it becomes really important to get the runners beyond the likes of Pritchard and the, the likes of Ahmad Roberts to get runners into the box. I mean, even even Hume down the right hand side. I mean, he he loves bombing on, which is which is exactly what you want, especially if you're not playing with a front man. But Elise knew that Pritchard was good enough if he made that run, even though it looked like Pritchard almost pulled it out of nowhere the way he did that reverse pass. But Elise made the run, and that's the important thing that Elise had the confidence that Pritchard had find him. And like you say, yeah. when I, I, I mean, I thought Alicia was fantastic when he got in that position because, as you said, the amount of players who just, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm down the flanks, I've got the ball, I'm just going to put the ball into an area. He put his head up, saw Clark in space, and he played him in inside the box. And when you've got a player like Clark receiving the ball like that inside the box, you've got every chance of, of getting a goal because, um, you know, as you said, when Clark concentrates on taking a touch and doing something like he did with a goal, couple of little jinx, did a feint to go one way with his right foot bented in the corner. Uh, when he doesn't do too much and he's got an end product like that, it's absolutely brilliant. And two goals in these two games against Fulham should hopefully give him a load of confidence moving forward. Yeah, and then their third, which killed the game off in the end effectively, was uh, Kurzawa, the PSG loanee. I think he's on loan. More poor defending for me. I was probably a little bit annoyed with Patterson in this one just because... It felt like, you know, before it even got the stage where Kazawa gets the shot away, he's got a chance to just come out and claim it and make a nuisance of himself. And that's probably one of the common criticisms of Patterson I've got is that, you know, I like him, great player. You know, he's had some really good games this season, um, been very important for us. But you also see that side of things, which is his inexperience. I think he's probably played, what, you know, 50 or 60 games for Sunderland. So this is natural. He's a young lad. He's not going to have everything just now. But one of the big things I want to see him work on is that, just the command of his area, knowing when to clean players out, jump up with his knees out and, and make people know he's there and, you know, even just dominate that six-yard box. Don't say, stay glued to your line. And, yeah, I just think earlier in the move there was an opportunity to do something, but I'm, I'm maybe nitpicking. But um, I think, to be honest, right through the game, like I said earlier, there was a theme with, with Fulham just being physically bigger than us, physically more dominant. 
And that's really where this goal came from, was a, a moment where it just seems to drop because they put their bodies in the way and, and get a couple of knockdowns which go their way and, yeah, yeah. killed the game off. That's it. I mean, the, the the pressure kind of built up. You could almost see it coming because for for about thirty, well, for about a good minute or so, we just couldn't get the ball clear, and it kept going. It kept bouncing back up into the air, and we couldn't get it clear. And, and there was a view from behind the goal where it showed Patterson, and he, you could see he was kind of nervous, and he was jumping about as the ball was going up in the air, and we couldn't clear it, and then they nearly got on the end of it. And in the end, the pressure just built up and built up. By that point, I think Patterson was so kind of rooted to his line. Because I think, I mean, he, he smashed it in from pretty much the six-yard line, didn't he? I thought oh, I might have even been closer yeah. than that. But it was yeah. pretty close in. And at the time, my first reaction was, oh, you know, could he have could he have come out? Could he have just thrown him, spread himself? You know, the old kind of Schmeichel, mm-hmm. you know, doing all that sort of jazz. And yeah, the, the questions were asked. But, I mean, just, just on the subject of Patterson, if you think he really kind of came back from loan last January. So really, yeah. he's, only played a, he's only played first-team football for a calendar year. So, you know, mm-hmm. you know, January 2022, when he came back on loan from Notts County, got into the first team. And then, yeah, so it's been, it's been a year he's played first team football. You know, he's 22, which is for a, for a goalkeeper, it's, it's kind of the equivalent of probably an 18-year-old play, playing outfield. Um, yeah. So he, he's he's got a lot to learn. And, you, and again, playing against the likes of Mitrovic and trying to win the ball off corners and stuff and knowing where Mitrovic's elbows and that go, that it's mm-hmm. another good lesson. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, it's, you know, you're talking about one of the best strikers in the Premier League at the minute. Yeah. And, um, you know, if they've, they've got that quality player to bring off the bench at half-time to win them the game, then that's, you know, it is what it is. We, we, we don't have that quality because we're in the Championship. It's just, you can't beat yourself up about it. You can't really read too much into it. We, we, we play against... Uh, a team in our league like that, for, like we did in the second half, and we'll beat most teams, beat everyone. I would feel so, you know, nothing, nothing much to worry about. But um, yeah, we got it. We got a consolation goal, which was a nice moment. I felt because I've really felt sorry for uh, Dewey this season. I don't think he's had the opportunity some of the other players have had. I feel like when he has had opportunities, it's been when it's pointless. Really, there's nothing sort of left in a game, or you know, like down at Shrewsbury where he started and had nobody to pick out in the box and it was you know Rostro came on when he came off and I just felt a bit sorry for him then I, I feel like you know out of all the young lads we brought in he's probably suffered a little bit more in terms of his opportunities and um, this was important that he got this goal because it's him showing that he can do something he can be a threat he has something to offer us when we don't have a striker on the pitch um, and it was a lovely finish and, and to be honest that that goal I know I mentioned it before very route one but he only scores that because of his determination to get there and get in the right area. And then when it does drop, I mean, it's a lovely finish. It goes right into the top corner. He couldn't have got it any further. I think he probably would have hit the bar if it had been another couple of inches higher. And yeah, good goal for him. Good moment. Good chance for him to show Tony Mowbray what he can do. You know, another option, isn't it, now with Dewey? I know he's always there on the bench, but he isn't always trusted. And hopefully this is the start of a, a good little period for him. Yeah, we've got... You know, Clark's goal in there, you know, Rig coming on, you know, from the bench. But honestly, for, for me, Bennett's goal, best moment of the night for me. Um, yeah. I, I think I think it's brilliant. I mean, for him to get that early high at Watford, you know, scoring that last minute goal. And he's probably thinking it's all just going to take off from here. You know, I, I mean, don't get us wrong. It hasn't gone south. It's just it hasn't taken off from there, which is probably worse because he, he, yeah. I think he was expecting all those chances in, in, in the first team. And as you said, they haven't quite come probably as he expected but 
again, kind of 18 years old and then go away for a, for a World Cup as well in the middle of the season, which is which is odd for, for everybody. But again, for an 18-year-old to play in all of those games for, for Costa Rica and then come back and, and then just to... He gets half a chance, and you know, to do what he did, stick it right in the top corner. I thought, I thought at one point when the Fulham player was trying to head the ball on the ground, he was going to take his head off, um, trying to be <laughs> uh, <laughs> kicked the wrong thing when he was uh, trying to knock it in the top corner. But absolutely brilliant, and I hope he can kind of kick on from here. But again, it's it's the type of opportunities he, he gets. We talked earlier in the season about Bennett going down the line, getting the ball in, being almost like a an old fashioned winger, and you know, without Ross Stewart. Well, it'd be interesting to see how Gellart kind of responds to to that sort of service. The ball's into the box. We're not really that thing. So can Bennett, you know, adjust his game to to play a bit more, come inside a bit more, things like that. You know, it'd be it'd be interesting to see how that all pans out. But again, eighteen year old. I mean, it's easy to forget. I haven't watched him play the odd time. It's easy to forget. He's only eighteen. He's come across from Costa Rica. It's his first winter in Sunderland. And I mean, I've lived I've lived away for a long time now, and it hurts me when you know it's painful for me when I go up um, in the winter. So never mind an eighteen year old lad coming across from Costa Rica. So I mean, I, I think he's making crack and progress. And I, again, it's just kind of another one that just kind of excites you when he comes off the bench. Yeah, so we're out the cup, but uh, that doesn't matter. The league action resumes at the weekend. We might as well quickly talk about Redden. They've not been great, let's be honest, since the turn of the year. I think their last win was the twenty seventh of December against Swansea. Uh, they haven't won in the league since then. Drew at the weekend against uh, Watford, twos each, and have sort of slid down the table early in the season. I think the last time we played them, actually, they might have been third in the table. So since then, their season sort of not carried along the same path, which I don't think anybody really expected them to to carry on winning like they were. They were one of the favourites, I think, in pre-season to maybe struggle. And... Um, I guess you could say they've probably had a good season till now, and you know it'll be sat sixteenth in the table or whatever it is. So, but but again, this is one we to me we've got to win. It's a home game. It's against a team who are below us in the table. It's against a team who have struggled to win games, like I say, since the turn of the year. And I think you know if you were going to get knocked out of the cup against Fulham, that's probably about as good as it can be in terms of you know you come away from the game still with a bit of confidence, having scored some goals, no major injury issues. So we and it was a home game, of course, as well. So we've played at the stadium of light. We've still got that freshness about us, and um, that that should hopefully give us some impetus going in this one, shouldn't it? Yeah, and I just want to call. I'm sure it was the podcast with Adam Leventhal, but it might have been. It might have been was it was with speaking to someone earlier in the season doing a preview pod, and I called it then. I said Redden will fall away because their their early season form was just completely bizarre. I mean. They were winning games when you know the stats were all wrong and all that sort of stuff, and it was only a matter of time before they started sliding down. But as you said, they they haven't won since the twenty seventh of December. I think that was when they beat Swansea two one. That was at home. Away, I was looking at their away form. They haven't won since the twelfth of November when they beat Hull. Um, they've got the second worst away record in the league. Um, so they've lost. They've lost <laughs> so they're out. going to win on Saturday then. <laughs> well, that's it. They've, they've lost. They've lost ten out of fifteen. So they've lost two <laughs> in every three away from away from home. But it's. I was going to. And you. You just mentioned that. I mean, how many times recently have we like have I said that teams have just been there for the taking and we didn't take advantage? And it seems to be mm. bizarrely. It seems to be these games where where you think, oh, you know, we're playing a side who are out of form and they're, they're absolutely there for the take and all we need to do is turn up and do our stuff. But it seems to be these games where 
actually teams use us to get back in form where they pick their game up because mm-hmm. I think now Cardiff springs to mind as the yeah, one that... we, well Swansea were out of form as well they hadn't won away for ages until, yeah, yeah. until mm-hmm. they, they came to the stadium like but it's it's these teams where I think we've got a little bit of a reputation now for we're not necessarily blown sides away but we've got a reputation for playing nice football we're we're not the most physical side in the world so I think teams like this are kind of targeting us and saying well, if we just get right into them, stuck into them, just give you know, kick them beyond belief and give them a hard time, you know, that's a way to get us back into form. And we seem to be a team where teams, these teams out of form, pick it up against us, like take it to yeah. the the next level and, and and do that. So everything on paper says we should be picking up three points this weekend. But I've said that before this season. Yeah, same. So I'm, I'm. I mean, I'm not getting too carried away, but yeah, I, th- I do think we should win this one. Although I, I, I'm sort of slagging off their league position. They're only four points behind us, you know. So <laughs> a win would take them a point off us. I think it's. It doesn't matter who you play at the minute, does it? Everybody's pretty much in the same boat, aren't they? Um, but we win, we could be back in the playoff spots, and I think that's got to be the goal now. From here, we've we've got no more distractions. The league is the only competition we're in. We know where we stand with regards to forwards and stuff. Yeah, we've only got one striker and he's not really an out-and-out sort of number nine. But we have, in my opinion, enough players, good attacking players, to be able to win most games in this league. And, you know, we've got enough experience of playing without a striker to to know how to deal with it. And, yeah, it would be fantastic if uh, we had Ross Stewart. We don't. It would be. We've went over this before, but, you know, we aren't going to sign a striker. We have got what we've got. It's pointless sitting chewing ourselves over it. I'm I'm not going to sit here and say, oh God, we should have done this. We should because them conversations have been and gone. I'm happy with what we've got. To be honest, I've, I said this when I was on the other day with Phil. I'm I'm quite happy with the players we've got. Would have loved another striker. We don't have another striker. Um, and for me now, it's just about getting Gelhart into the team and getting him scoring. And you know, hopefully, not really feeling that um lack of presence from Ross Stewart necessarily because we've now got a, another lad in the team who is going to be scoring goals getting the likes of Jack Clark to carry on stepping it up, getting Patrick Roberts to start giving an end product and, and doing something too, because he needs to um he needs to really start turning the screw a bit and getting some goals and obviously already got two against Redden this season. So, you know, could be in back in amongst the goals in this one, but I'm still pretty happy. I'm confident we'll beat them. I'm just all I'm worried about is that you just said it there, you just touched on it there. This is a game where you fully expect Redden, being a Paul Ince team, they're going to come and just try and spoil. They're going to sit behind the ball. They know exactly what our threat is. And they're the type of team who will come and play um, to negate your strengths rather than play to their strengths. And their strengths might not necessarily be that, but I can imagine they're going to come here. They're going to sit behind the ball. They're going to try and time waste. They're going to do everything that we don't like. And that can be difficult when you haven't got Ross Stewart on the pitch. So let's see. And remember, they've they've got they've got Alex Ray as well, who will know <laughs> what the be- the best ways are of winding this the the, the stadium like crowd up. He'll he'll oh, know yes. you know from when he he played there long enough where he'll know where the atmosphere changes and all this. But I mean, I'm really I'm really looking forward to Gellard getting a run of games. I'm I'm excited about seeing him play. I think he's I think you know everything about him sounds like he's uh, he once he gets a run of games going, he could uh, you know he could get some goals and you know I like the look of him. So I'm looking forward to seeing him play Lee Hadji as well. I mean, he's an attacking 
player. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play as well. Get some, get some. Do you think he'll be in the squad because well. he, he hasn't been anywhere near yet? I think the touch on it didn't. Yeah. They said he, um, he's probably going to need a little bit of time just to get up to speed and stuff. But again, it's just another attacking option. I'm just yeah. looking forward to him getting fit and being involved. The other thing I wanted to ask you about because we are, I mean, I, well, I think everyone who's listened to these pods knows that we're big fans of of Luke Nine, but. Since he's been out, he, he, only, he only got... And this is what we were talking about, players getting suspended and little niggly injuries, that, you know, as soon as they drop out, players come in and perform well and you can't drop them. So, you know, I think Ballard and uh, Danny Bart are getting a really good partnership at the back. Elise's looked good down that left-hand side. Hume's almost made himself undroppable, where I know Lyndon Gooch has picked up another knock, but when he's going to struggle to get back in if, if Hume's still playing like this. But mm-hmm. in terms of Lugo 9... Does he does he sit on the bench and wait his turn, or do you think you play him in the middle? Do you think Mishu drops out, or what would you do? He's he's good. The thing is with Luke Nine, he, he finds a way onto the pitch somehow. He always <laughs> does. Like even even in the Fulham game, he was he was playing in the midfield, wasn't he? And he actually, to be honest, I actually think he done really well when he come on. We haven't even mentioned him, but I thought he just because we'd struggled physically with the midfield battle with O Nine on the pitch, he didn't. He got stuck in. He didn't try to overcomplicate it. He just. He won the ball and gave it to the better players around him. And to be honest, I know I know a lot of people who aren't big Luke Nine fat like Luke Nine the footballer. There's a lot of people who think he's a fantastic professional, fantastic person, but aren't really having him as a player. And I don't think they ever will, to be honest. But I said this the other week. I think he can be effective in the right situation, which the right situation against Fulham was we went winning the midfield battle. We just need somebody to get in there and get stuck in. He can do that for you. He's not going to sit and run the game. That mm, is this the right game? I don't think so because, like I said, I think Redden are going to stick eleven men behind the ball, and that's probably the game you need Mishu in there, where we we're going to have a lot of the ball, and um, you know that's it's it's a different if, if you know in the second half if they stick eleven behind the ball like I say, but manage to get a goal from a set piece or something like you know we've seen this season with other teams, and then we need to mix it up. Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't even be opposed to putting them further forward just to win headers and stuff because we even we saw that with Bart um, in the Fulham game. You know, <laughs> we got a little bit desperate later in the game and we put them up there to just win some headers and it actually came off. It's not all going to always come off and you can't always play that way. But there is, a, like I say, depend on the situation, depend on what we're after in the game. You know, if we if we are chasing it or we need a goal, then you you just put him wherever he's needed really and the, at the minute the way that players are dropping with injuries i wouldn't be surprised if he's needed earlier than we expect just to come on and do something cuz we we just seem to be dropping like flies at the minute all across the pitch fingers crossed that's not the case but like i say i think Luke nine just finds his way on the pitch no matter what the situation who we're playing what it, what's going on he'll be back starting games within the next couple of weeks somehow because there's always a place for him and there'll always be injuries and suspensions, like you yeah. said. I mean, you know, just what happened with you know, Serkin got his chance last week, and look, look what happened. You know, when he came mm-hmm. on from the bench, and players are going to pick up injuries. But again, it's it. We've got that atmosphere where if you, if you're out through injury, even for one game, or you get suspended for one game, someone's going to come in, and they're going to yeah, know yeah. that if they don't perform, that they're going to be back out the team the following week. So everyone's mm-hmm. just coming in and knowing that they have to, they've got a level to hit. And when they do, yeah. but the likes of O Nine, Serkin, Gooch, you know Pritchard to a certain extent, all these players that go out and they can't get back in again. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a uh, yeah good opportunity for three points. Good opportunity to uh, really cement ourselves as a playoff contender. And I like to say I'm I'm pretty confident, but 
Could be me to eat my words, as I usually am. Um, <laughs> cheers, Chris. Thanks for joining us, mate. Always a pleasure. Thank you to the listeners. Make sure you catch all of your daily fan-written Sunderland content over on rokareport.sbnation.com uh, on the socials where Roker Report on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and make sure you subscribe to this pod if you aren't already although you probably are by this point if you've listened this long into the show um, and yeah, thanks we'll be back after the game against Redden probably with another show like this and we'll catch you then cheers Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.